Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are going to be covering the fourth chapter of the book of Jonah. It will be our final episode covering Jonah. It is a blessing to be with you here today wherever you might be, whether you're at your home with a nice glass of bourbon, in your car stuck in traffic, at work, or anywhere else. I invite you to become just as relaxed as you would with a glass of your favorite libation in front of you as we discuss the book of Jonah today. We have no new listener prayer requests this week, but I do have one of my own. Really, it's a joy. My son had to wear a helmet to help shape his head. He has worn it for the last four months since he was six months old, and he just got it off last week. While that is a joy, I also need your prayers because he has started walking already and is up and running into every corner, step, table, or any other sharp object. So please keep him and me in your prayers that he doesn't beat his head up too much. Please continue to send any prayer requests or joys to me at BiblePeriodBourbon at gmail.com. If you don't want me to share your prayer request with the broader community, please just let me know in the email. Additionally, someone asked if I wouldn't mind sharing what kind of bourbon I'm drinking each episode, and I don't mind, not one bit. But today I'm not really drinking a bourbon. Instead, I'm drinking a whiskey that is adjacent to bourbon. It is Angel's Envy Rye Whiskey. So it is a rye whiskey and not a bourbon, but it is made here in Louisville, Kentucky by Angel's Envy, which is a large distiller of mainly bourbons. So I'm still going to drink it during this episode. I'll try to share with you some of what I'm drinking each week. Mind you, it's not always bourbon neat. Sometimes it might have some Coke in it or something else, but I've learned that you never put ice in it because with the ice in it, it makes a bit of a noise. But now, let us go ahead and start our study. Glorious light of the world, you created peace from chaos. Out of the rough waters of darkness, you shine the light of creation. We ask that this week you remind us of that peace, the peace that you offer each of us as your children. Because we are all your children, from the greatest to the least, all around the world, we are all united in you. We ask that these words that we hear today from Scripture sink into our hearts and into our minds. That this may not be the best part of our day, but instead just a building block to something better to come. Amen. Now, let me grab my glass, and let's get started. Last week, we covered Jonah's mission to the Ninevites. He spoke five short words, and then the Ninevites completely and totally repented of their ways. They turned away from violence and toward the peace of God. And because of this quick transformation and repentance, God showed mercy on them and did not destroy their city. And that's where our reading starts for today. Jonah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were a glorious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, 
Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I was dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Jonah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. I find this chapter of Jonah much more interesting than the chapter where Jonah gets eaten by a whale. It starts with Jonah very upset. He's angry about something. However, in those first lines... He never tells you quite clearly what he's upset about. This is true both in the English translation that I read and also in the original Hebrew. He never mentions directly that he's upset that God saved the Ninevites. Some people read this to mean that he wasn't really upset that God saved the Ninevites, but instead he was upset with something that the Ninevites did before they repented. He was so upset by their behavior that he was still angry now. But when I read this chapter, in connection with the larger book of Jonah, I can see how he may have been upset with something that they did, but he was also upset that they were Ninevites at all. He wanted them punished, and he wasn't happy that God didn't do it. Because throughout the book, Jonah has consistently had a negative view of the people of Nineveh. In chapter 2, that prayer inside the whale, I talked about how Jonah seemed different then than we would later see. That prayer was a prayer of praise, of love of God and of all of God's people. If Jonah truly believed all of what he said in chapter 2, well, he probably wouldn't have been this angry about God saving the Ninevites here in chapter 4. The prayer in chapter 2 is also completely different in composition than the prayer we have here in chapter 4. This prayer is not a prayer of praise, but instead a prayer of dissatisfaction. In particular, I like how he doubles down on his act of fleeing on that boat to Tarshish. In this prayer to God, he says basically that he was right to flee on the boat, because he was trying to prevent God from being a compassionate God. And in some ways, he complains that God sent a whale to bring him to this city because he would have rather have died in the ocean than for God to grant grace to the people of Nineveh. Jonah clearly hasn't learned anything since the beginning of the book. 
We're hearing the same Jonah speak in chapter 4 that was present in chapter 1. Last week, we talked about how God gave Jonah a do-over, a second chance at his mission. And we can see here, in chapter 4, that this second chance did not change his attitude. And throughout the book, when we read about Jonah and God's interactions, it can often seem as if God is talking to Jonah as if he was a child. God was talking to him in the same way that God would talk to a child who had been misbehaving. And we get that in this question that God asked Jonah after his prayer of dissatisfaction. Is it right for you to be angry? God is asking Jonah this so that Jonah can truly think about what has happened. God is asking, Jonah, do you truly think it is okay to be upset that I did not condemn people who truly repented of their ways? But Jonah doesn't answer the question. Instead, much like a child on a playground, he just gets up and moves somewhere else. Our scripture says that he got up and sat down on a place east of the city. You might be tempted to gloss over this sentence, but it's one of the most important sentences in all of chapter 4, because it lets us know that Jonah was not returning home. If he was returning home, he would have headed west. Jerusalem and all of Judah was west of Nineveh. In fact, there really wasn't much of anything east. There was a mountain range east of Nineveh, but there was no major city that he would walk to. If Jonah was to return anywhere, he would have headed west. By the scripture telling us that he went east, it is telling us that Jonah had not given up on the destruction of Nineveh. He was going to wait outside of the city until God changed his mind. He was throwing a temper tantrum. So he went east to sit and wait for God to do something. He even builds a shelter, a shelter that provides him shade so that he can wait for a long period of time until God finally does what Jonah wants him to do. But then God provided a large leafy plant that gave Jonah even more shade than the shelter he had built. And Jonah was happy about this plant because he could sit in the shade that not only he had created, but also a larger, more abundant shade that God had provided for him. But then God sent another animal. And I think it's interesting. God sends both a whale to Jonah and also a small little worm. And this little worm chewed on the plant so that it withered. It withered and died. And that large leafy plant that provided an abundant amount of shade was gone. Now, Jonah still had some shade. In fact, he had all of the shade he had created for himself, that shelter that he had built. But what God had provided was gone. Jonah had done nothing for that plant to grow and to provide him with shade, but yet he was upset when it was gone. At this moment, Jonah could have done two things. First, he could have expanded his shelter. He could have made the shelter larger so that it would provide him even more shade than it did before. But also, no one was forcing Jonah to sit in that hot sun. God did not tell him to sit outside of the city. This is something Jonah chose to do all on his own. He could have just got up and went home. His mission was done. There is no reason that he needed to sit there. 
He could have chose either of these options and solved the problem all on his own, probably in a matter of hours. But instead, Jonah decides to say to God that it is better for him to die than to live. And you gotta love this. God asked him a question, once again, that's supposed to lead him to an answer. Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? This question, like that other question that God asked, was supposed to allow Jonah to realize that he should not be angry about this plant. He did nothing to create the plant, and now the plant was gone. And even though the plant was gone, he still had solutions to his problem. He could build more shade, or he could just get up and leave. The pain that he was experiencing was of his own design. Instead of acknowledging that maybe he, Jonah, was incorrect, that he had no right to be angry about this plant, he just sat in anger, childishly. But then, as he's sitting, he decides that he does want to answer God's question, but not in the way that God wanted him to answer. Instead, he says quite definitively, It is, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. This is the third time in the chapter that Jonah wished for death for himself, rather than see the Ninevites saved. It calls back to him asking to be thrown into the ocean, rather than turning the ship around and continuing with his mission. He would rather die than see the enemy of Israel saved by the God of Israel. Now it is important that Jonah never outright wished that God had not saved the Ninevites. It's never explicitly said in any of Jonah's discussions with God. But from our context, we can see that God at least believed that Jonah was angry about the salvation of the Ninevites. But after Jonah answers this question from God, we get a wonderful response from God. One that when you read it, you realize that God is not just talking to Jonah, You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? Here, God makes it clear the connection between Jonah's anger and the salvation of the Ninevites. He says this plant grew up without you doing anything in the same way that Nineveh sprang up without you doing anything. I made it grow. I made it come to life. And if I choose for it to die, it dies. Or if I choose for it to live, then it will live. In the same way that God chose for the people of Israel to live. Both the people of Israel and the people of Nineveh are equally bound by creation to God. They might be ignorant people, so ignorant they can't tell their right hand from their left, but that doesn't matter because they're still children of God. It's a very clear and easy to understand argument from God, and when you read it, you clearly see God's point of view. Yes, it is right for God to save the city of Nineveh a people who truly repented. It doesn't matter what they've done in their past now that they've truly given themselves over to a new way. You understand that Jonah's anger is not justified. And you're supposed to read it like that. 
because Jonah never responds to God. In fact, the book ends right there with God's response to Jonah, and in many ways, God's response to us. If you read Jonah like a parable, you see that this absence of response makes sense, because it's very similar to the way that Jesus ends his parables in the New Testament. It makes you answer the question. If Jonah's silence is to be broken, then you, as the reader, have to interpret what Jonah would have said. It forces you to think about the book and struggle to understand the reasoning that God is giving to Jonah. The ending doesn't leave Jonah nice and neatly wrapped. Instead, it forces you to think about what's going on in this scripture. It makes you realize that every time God treated Jonah as if he was a child, he was speaking to you. Throughout the many centuries, people have had Ninevites in their lives, people who they have forgotten were the children of God. What are the children of God that you might view as your enemies, even though they are your equal and peer? What are the times that God has provided something good for someone else, and you were left in jealousy, sitting underneath a shelter that was insignificant and not realizing that God had provided the shade that was actually doing the work. The strength of this scripture is how it has withstood the test of time. It doesn't matter when you read it, it still speaks to you. I hope over the last few weeks, you've learned more about the book of Jonah, learned how it's more than just the tale of Jonah and a big fish or a whale, that it's instead a story about a man did not want to follow God's will, not because it was hard, but because he didn't like the people God sent him to save. He didn't like what God was doing. He felt as if the people that God sent him to preach to weren't truly his equal, as if they didn't deserve God's mercy. And throughout the journey, God teaches not only Jonah, but also us as the reader, that we are all children of God and that everyone who repents is welcomed for salvation. And it's not for us to fight with God when something good happens to someone else. If you have any lingering questions about the book of Jonah, feel free to email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. Additionally, please feel free to send any prayer requests or joys to me as well. Next week, we will start a new study. This one will be significantly longer, and we will cover the Gospel of Matthew. We will work through it in much the same way as we work through the book of Jonah, going verse by verse. As always, thank you for joining me today. Additionally, if you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me, and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings everyone.